0: ethosphere now here's your host my dad marley with the introduction thank you baby hello all you COVID kids out there and welcome to ethosphere thanks for journeying with me today this is episode three part three of carrying your sacred space learning to navigate the world in your full power i am your host nathan alex orona and here we go action action is defined as the fact or process of doing something, typically to achieve an aim. Ah, to achieve an aim, a purpose. I love it when things naturally just tie in. Today we are talking about action, not any old action, but appropriate action. Before we invest and go much further, I do want to ask a few questions. These are just uh, food for thought, and I won't be trying to really answer them on on the podcast, not intentionally anyway. Think back on your life. Maybe you're six years old, maybe you're 10 or 20. When did that subtle creep of anxiety first set in? What first brought it on? Was it work? The unkind comments from a parent being looked down at by your kindergarten teacher? How old were you when the world first seemed foreign? When you first started feeling like a stranger in a strange land? How many hours, days, weeks have you felt inept and underwhelmed by your life as prescribed by our modern paradigm? Perhaps these things apply to you and perhaps they don't. But if they do, ask yourself these final questions Are these things a product of you navigating our world or the byproduct of our world forever pressing upon you? Is it you that is flawed or is the world we have designed? The element which is faulty? These are important questions. They set up the premise for how we interact with the world. And almost no one, almost no one asks these questions. They set up the premise for how we decide to carry our sacredness out into the world. So spend some time with those today and I'm going to continue on. Have any of y'all seen Enter the Dragon starring Bruce Lee? Bruce plays a secret agent assigned to participate in the fight games of a madman. The human cockfights that go on in the movie weren't even the worst of it. This madman was a boss and he was connected to all sorts of all sorts. I'm not going to critique the whole movie, but there is one scene that I want to spend some time on. So Bruce is on a on a vessel, he's on a ship out to sea, and they're headed towards this fight island. which even as a kid, I have to say, it was kind of it kind of seemed like a totally made up scenario, like this couldn't happen. But now with the whole Jeffrey Epstein Monster Island debacle, you know, it doesn't seem that far fetched anymore. Not only that, but the UFC, the Ultimate Fighting Championship, has purchased—I um, don't know if they really purchased an island, but they—they're uh, calling it Fight Island. All due to the COVID nineteen pandemic. And so now they're flying their fighters out to Abu Dhabi to participate and to carry on with the UFC. But enough of that. Let's return to Bruce. On this vessel, this ship, he encounters a brute who seems of European descent. And this brute is kicking the fruit baskets out of the uh, hands of the ship's help. And then when they're trying to pick it up, he, he kicks them over. He's just a bully. And so the perpetrator is walking around the ship and he decides to stop and harass Bruce Lee's character. Bruce looks seaward and his foe throws two or three feints at him. And if you don't know what a feint is, it is a non-threatening strike thrown to get your opponent to react. But there's the word, react. Bruce doesn't flinch. He looks at the turd and he says, don't waste your time. Now, if you know anything about Bruce Lee's fighting philosophy this is alluding to one of his most fundamental teachings in the real world and that is no wasted movement not saying that bruce didn't throw feints but he wasn't actively engaged at the moment with this individual when the brute didn't get the reaction that he wanted he asks bruce what's your style my style bruce asks yeah it's the art of fighting without fighting Bruce says. And so the brute presses him and says, let me see some of it. And Bruce says, all right, don't you think we need more room? Where else? The brute responds. Bruce points outward and says, that island on the beach, we can take this boat. The brute gets into the lifeboat and Bruce starts to let the rope out. Bruce had just demonstrated a beautiful principle solid in the idea of the martial arts. It's called Aiki and is a budo term, a Japanese term meaning that a seasoned practitioner can use an opponent's oncoming force to redirect them. Some of you may have heard of the term or the martial art Aikido. So Aikido is a soft style martial art and translates into something like the way of harmonious spirit. So what Bruce demonstrates in this scene is the cool calmness of a level head, which does not react to the taunts of a walking, talking meathead. This is mental Aikido, using the ego of the brute against them. Speaking of using the ego of brutes against them, so here's a a story that's neither here nor there, but my wife has mastered the art of getting me to be her handyman. It all started with simple tasks, a curtain rod here, a coat of paint there, it wasn't until I came home and found her fumbling around with a Phillips screwdriver trying to put shelves up in the bathroom. It, was, it wasn't until then that I realized that I was being played. Came in to the sounds of her cussing the screws out for not going into the wall. And there I am. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What's going on here, right? I can't get these stupid screws to go into the wall, she said. Babe, you need a drill and anchors if you aren't drilling into the studs. And of course, that's when my big stupid man brain said, step aside, little lady, and let a man handle this job. In my mind, of course, because I value my life. What I really said out loud was, let me go get the drill. I was a good three minutes into putting these shelves up when I thought, son of a bitch, she got me. I get done with the shelves, and there my wife was sitting on the couch watching Dr. Phil or whatever it is that she watches. So the point is, men, women are smarter than we are. My wife is definitely smarter than I am, but that's not the point. What's my point? Appropriate action. The entire universe is in a state of action, whether it is slowing down or expanding, heating up or cooling down. It is always working. You, you are a living, breathing mass of matter. And unless you find a way to truly transcend this, you will always be subjected to action. So what does it mean to take appropriate action? So this is any action taken that is in sync with your moral foundation and values. And just for argument's sake, let's pretend that morality means doing what is good and right for both you and others. Lord knows that we could spend hours upon hours shoveling through the mess theology and philosophy have made of this subject. And with my next example, I'll probably run into a mess of my own, but that's what Ethospheria is about. So let's get messy. Father Abraham, you may have heard of him. Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham. So Abraham, the father of nations, Like our first episode, where we saw that Cain was the antithesis of Christ. He was the firstborn son of man who committed the first murder when he killed his brother Abel, the shepherd. We're going to see that the tale of Abraham has a similar inverse feature. In the beginning, they called him Abram. So now I'm going to read from Genesis 12, 1 through 3, the call of Abraham. The Lord said to Abram, "'Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you.'" So basically God says, do all these things, I'm not even going to tell you where you're going to go, just do it. "'I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt.'" all the families on the earth will be blessed through you. That's some epic foreshadowing there, which I'll get to towards the end of the podcast. So that was Genesis 12, 1 through 3. And Abram, Abram, after that, packs up his family and they move out into unknown lands as God called him to do. And what he does next is in perfect form with our idea of carrying your sacred space and appropriate action. As soon as he gets to the land of Canaan, God tells him, I will give you this land. I will give this land to your descendants. And what did Abraham do? Abram, well, he's not Abraham yet. What did Abram do? He built an altar and dedicated it to God. What did this altar represent? I'm going to tell you, hey, this is a testament to first steps, to walking out in faith, which that word faith was never really used in the Old Testament, but this is what Abraham, Abram at the time was doing. He was establishing the first basis of faith. Every time we work towards a goal, let's say we're learning a trade or getting a college degree, we take similar actions. We set out into an unknowable future that is backed with unlimited promise. And even when we get our certificate or our degree, our trials and tribulations, they don't stop there. They're not over. The very next thing Abram does after building the altar is he, he sets out south to lands between Bethel and Ai. And when he gets there, what does he do again? He builds a second altar. And this is an altar of continued thanks and new beginnings. So what does this mean? To act appropriately We must continue our forward progression and continue, continue it with a sense of gratitude. And there isn't a person on the planet that does this very well. Abram and his family suffer through a famine at one point, and they start to decide to, they decide to move into Egypt. This is where Abram acts out of character a bit and tells his wife, Sarai, to act as his sister so they don't kill him to have her. So Sarai, at like 65 years old, was still the hottie with the body because Pharaoh ends up taking her into the palace as his own. And God, keeping to his promise in Genesis 12:1 through 3, sends plagues upon Pharaoh's house. Pharaoh gets pissed at Abram, like, what's wrong with you, bro? I gave you riches for her. Why did you say she was your sister? You people are twisted. Take what I've given you and go." go out of Egypt. So Abram once again packs up and they travel back to the land between Bethel and Ai, where he built the second altar and once again worshiped the Lord. There was something not quite right about his venture into Egypt. Abram came away with even more riches than before, but essentially he had to pimp out his wife. Imagine the ick that surrounds a situation like that. There's a key phrase in Genesis 13, four, and this is, this reads, this was the same place where Abram had built the altar and there he worshiped the Lord again. There he worshiped the Lord again. Each and every one of us lose sight of our target. And sometimes it's for a day or two, sometimes it's months or even years. But what Abram shows us is that we can come back to that center that we have cultivated. We can respond appropriately to our demons and drive forward with continued appropriate action. Now there's a third altar, which is built only after Abram's nephew Lot, who had been traveling with him from the start of his journey. You know, the journey where God told him to leave his native land, his relatives, And his father's family? Yeah, so Lot had become wealthy on livestock, and he and his uncle's herdsmen were having disputes. And so Lot wanted his own land, which is why we now call a piece of land a lot. And Abram said something else we could all live by and all learn from. He said to Lot, Let's not allow this to come between us or our herdsmen. After all, we are close relatives. I don't know if you've ever been part of a will or familial land dispute, but these almost always get ugly. Brothers, sisters, cousins all get so ugly. This is Abram's example of appropriate response and appropriate action. He tells Lot, pick whatever lands you want. And what does Lot do? Of course, Lot picks the most lush and plentiful lands. And this is why the song doesn't go, Father Lot, had many sons. Nope. Abram picks a place in Canaan and settles. This is when God comes and says, look as far as you can see in every direction, north, south, east, west. I'm giving all this land to you and your descendants forever. And Abram built another altar to the Lord. This is the altar of manifest abundance, the altar that states, the Lord shall provide. This is his reward for his ever-advancing loyalty to his purpose, aka his faith. Abram goes on to solidify his covenant with God through continued trials and continued successes. God basically tests the person who will become Abraham while being in his corner at the same time. His wife Sarai becomes Sarah. Sarah eventually gives birth to Isaac, eventually brings our story to fruition. Isaac, the son who was born to a barren mother, would be Abraham's final test. Here's how it went down. So I'm going to read now Genesis 22. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied. Here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah, go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. So there it goes again, set out to do this and don't worry about where you're going. I'll show you when you get there. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him along with his son, Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for the burnt offering and set out to the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told his servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders, while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, "'Father?' "'Yes, my son,' Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham. Abraham! Yes, Abraham replied. Here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. There is so much to unpack here, and so little time. Abraham continuously carries his sacred space wherever he goes. And this was the real test. God had given Abraham everything and had tested him thoroughly. But it was never about what God could give him. It was about seeing what Abraham had within him, what Abraham had inside. If he was going to be the father of God's people, God needed to make sure he was worthy. When he was setting out to sacrifice Isaac, he expressed his continuous faith. Abraham tells his servants that he and Isaac are going to worship. The boy and I will travel further to worship, and we, we will be right back. They go and cut wood for the offering and place it upon Isaac's shoulder for him to carry his own damn wood. This would be messed up if it wasn't a reflection of the Christ having to bear the burden of the cross and the world upon his shoulders. All of Abraham's actions were to bring out the worthy predecessor of the Christ. My atheist friends will point to the story of Abraham and ask, why would God ask this man to kill his only son if he wasn't a monster? I admit it's not a feel-good story, but his life? Cultivate your center. Abraham did this around the value of faith and family. Appropriate response. And this can be tied in with appropriate action as well. But when God came to him with a promise or request, Abraham built a place of worship every time. Appropriate action, what was the appropriate action? Abraham acted upon the Lord's command to sacrifice Isaac out of faith because he knew of God's promise to bless him and his family. You have to make that gamble with the future. You build yourself upon your values and focus your aim on a purpose, a purpose that neither God or the world can get in your way about. Think back to our questions at the beginning. Are your worries and woes a product of you navigating this world, or are they the byproduct of this world constantly pressing itself upon you? Hey, carry your light into the world, do good things, I'll be back next week with a layout, a practical layout of how to carry your sacred space into our ever-changing world. And start looking for meditations on the Ethospheria website. I'm hoping to get some guided meditations recorded soon. Look for them at Ethospheria.com. If you have any questions, you can direct them to Ethospheria@gmail.com. at gmail.com. I'd like to thank you for The continued support, you are amazing. You can continue listening to us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Overcast, and other fine podcasting locations. As always, I love you and peace be with you.